Good morning at Live a Life by Design. Folks, I got to tell you, this Monday morning, Moments of Motivation has got something in store for you today. Throughout the last year, we have focused here on Live a Life by Design of bringing you women in leadership positions in large, small, and multinational organizations. The feedback we've gotten from listeners in 57 countries that says they want to hear more from those people leading companies in transformational ways. Well, today's guest is going to be that person. But before we get to her, I just want to say thank you. Those of you that listen and subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends and family, have now helped us again reach 57 countries on the planet. We're changing lives and changing everybody's day, hopefully for a better, more positive day. Our goal here is only to help everyone become bigger, better, and bolder at what they wish to do in life. And with that said, today's guest has been a dear friend of mine and a professional colleague for more than 25 years. I've known her. She uh, has achieved so much in life, in her career, her personal life. She's not just a mother of boys in their 20s. She's got Gen Zs at home, or not at home now, but they're out of college. Some of them got one in college. Uh, very active in her career. She's been, I guess, working from the age of three. We're going to find out a little bit about her. She never sleeps. I know that. Sleep is obviously something she doesn't worry about. <laughs> With that said, I'd like a big welcome to my dear friend, Sue Coffee. Welcome, Sue. Oh, hi, Jimmy. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on today. Uh, did I read that right? Your mom sent me this bio. I hope, did I get it all in there? <laughs> <laughs> she does love me. <laughs> <laughs> she better. Hey, so thank you for being on today. I am just so excited for the career trajectory you've taken. It's simply in the last couple of years. You now are the CEO of the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants, and I'm proud to say I'm one of your members. You're also one of my mentors. Oh, you know what? That's going to get you a Starbucks card. You keep this up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just want to visit a few moments with you because I know you're very busy. We'll try to utilize your time as efficiently as possible, but I want to just start back to the basics. So I know you went to Fairfield University, but I want to go even more basic than that, Sue, because what I've found about leaders is some of those things they utilize in their adult career actually may have been seeds planted in their childhood and teen years. So take me back. What was childhood like for Sue Coffee? Oh, God, you're asking me to go way, way back. Huh? <laughs> you know, they um, had black and white in my era back then. You're much younger, but mine was black and white. So. <laughs> You know, Jimmy, I um, I had a I had a really happy childhood. Um, I have a an amazing family. My my parents are still living in their nineties, and um, I have a brother and a sister. My dad is an engineer. My mom, while she was a stay at home mom, what was a very strong female presence in the house. Highly intelligent, fiercely independent. Um, you know, it's just now that we're kind of getting stories from her about things she did, like in her teens, traveled on her own, you know, prior to meeting my dad in marriage. You know, she worked in New York City. She was accepted into NYU, although she didn't go because she met my dad and got married and had, you know, my brother, sister and I. Um, but, you know, she wanted better for her daughter, two daughters. I don't think she would say that her life at a stay as a stay at home mom was bad by any means. But she wanted her daughters to go to college and she made us feel like we could do anything. 
Uh, my sister is a civil engineer with a graduate degree in environmental studies, and so she's very well accomplished. And interestingly, um, when I went away to college, my mom decided to go back to school. She got her degree in her 50s. And, uh, you know, that's a huge accomplishment and really proud of her for doing it. So, you know, that was when I kind of think about my family and, and kind of that we're, we're tight knit, you know, very focused and motivated. Um, that probably provided a good solid foundation for kind of where I am today. So you said you have two engineers in your family. I can tell you right now, you had a very solid foundation. Uh, Actually three, my brother's an engineer too. <laughs> so I've got to ask Sue, you're a CPA, very accomplished, a certified global management accountant. Tell me, where'd you fall off the truck? I mean, why not an engineer? <laughs> uh, you know what? I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> oh, Folks, now she's jesting. I promise you she's jesting there. So where are you in the three children? What, what's part I'm the you? youngest. Oh, you and I hold a heralded position. I'm the youngest of six. Isn't that a great position to be in? Oh my God, six. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, we only got three channels at home at that time, back in the sixties. So <laughs> bad joke, right? So, so mom and dad are still living in their nineties. So it looks to me, Sue, like I can expect you to be transforming the AICPA for another 30, 40 years. I mean, if they're in their nineties, man, you betcha <laughs> <laughs> and still, and still fairly healthy. Don't worry, so. folks. I'll talk to legal at AICPA. get that contract extension started. Here. So, <laughs> so, so as your child, you grew up in, in the uh, New Jersey area, right? Mm -hmm. So what was your favorite pastime? Were you on the New Jersey beach side or were you on the New Jersey more inland? So I live at the Jersey Shore, um, the real Jersey Shore, not the one on TV. <laughs> oh, darn. And um, yeah, so we lived in a beach community and that was obviously, um, you know, very big pastime growing up. I, I was also somewhat of a tomboy too. So, you know, my parents were advocates of throwing us out of the house, you know, in, in the early morning and say, don't come home until dinner time. And so, you know, finding... Um, interesting and, and innovative things to do, you know, around the yard and in the neighborhood was something that me, my sister and my brother did every day with our friends in the neighborhood. So it's kind of one of those um, types of childhoods. Oh, those are the best kind. So my parents did the same. As a matter of fact, back then, if the day was sun shining, it wasn't lightning or raining too hard. You were expected not to be in the house. I mean, my mother and dad, you're out of here. Uh, and we always found fun stuff to do. Some of it was probably not acceptable by social standards, but we were boys. I mean, that's how it works. So, you know, there's something to be said for letting children kind of go out and fend for themselves. And you learn things, right? You learn I things agree. that with elevator parents, you don't necessarily learn. I'm just thankful, Sue, and I don't know. Helicopter I, I, parents, helicopters. Yeah, helicopters. I, I'm certain that you wouldn't have this problem because you probably still have the halo that I hold shining brightly over your head to this day from childhood. But as a young man, I'm proud they didn't have phones that had video on it when I was in my preteens and teens, because we got into a lot of mischief just playing, you know, nothing big, but it was funny. So we knew you could blow up mailboxes with an M80 firecracker. I don't want you to know how I know that. I just know that. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't have to figure that out on my own. I could read about it. That a girl. Learn from others' <laughs> mistakes, right? That's exactly. Write that down, folks. That's one of her leadership qualities, learn from others' mistakes. So, so how did you determine, coming up through your teen years, how did you determine that you wanted to be in the accountancy profession? You know, um, probably not shocking. I had a couple of classes in high school that exposed me to kind of the, the fundamentals of accounting. 
And it was more of a, I was good at it than I loved it. And because I was good at it, um, I could excel. And when I applied to Fairfield University, which has an excellent business school and a great accounting program, it was one of the choices. And I said, you know, I'm just going to try this and see how it goes. Um, you know, again, kind of going back to my childhood, my parents always were advocates of, you know what, you can always try, try anything because if you don't like it, you can always change. If you fail, failure is okay. Um, you can always move into something else. So I kind of went in with that attitude and and I really liked it. And as I kind of moved through college and started to understand what the opportunities were, that was really exciting for me because I did meet a lot of CPAs within that four-year period. It was four years, not five years then, within that four-year period that had so many different careers. And you know, just understanding that if I got my CPA and I I could go and work in a public accounting firm, or I could go and work in business. I could be an entrepreneur and start my own business. I could do, you know, Jimmy, what you're amazing at, you know, um, financial planning, or I could do audit. I mean, there's just so many different things that our profession affords us the ability to do. So that to me was very exciting. And it, you know, I've, I've moved in different directions throughout my career. And, and I think that foundation has supported me well. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, before COVID, I got to speak all across the country to associations, corporations, and groups, and, and uh, talked about various topics. And one of those I'd always try to tell the young people of the crowd, I'd like to say, if they had family members there, I'd say, look, the world of accounting, that field and that profession opens so many doors. Even if you don't decide to go into public accounting, which I encourage them to do, because you get exposed to so many things. But if you don't, you still are the backbone of every organization, whether it's nonprofit, you know, for-profit, publicly traded, you know more than most people because you know how those functions work, right? Um, That's right. So, and, so and, you know, Jimmy, I did, I, it's funny when my, when my two sons were going to college and they're both out now, um, I said to them, whatever you do, whatever you want to do, whatever is your passion, I'm supportive, but you need to take an accounting class because you need to understand the business of whatever you go into. And it's probably the only thing they ever listened to me on. <laughs> <laughs> now listen folks i know her two sons they're gentlemen i don't care what you say they're gentlemen and i will not tarnish their image in my mind how about that uh, we men stick together sue that's how this works so hey big big question for you then what made you want to leave that public accounting arena that you worked for what was then one of the big eight back in the day uh, i too i went through the big eight and uh great training uh, great exposure great leaders i really still to this day have some great mentors that i even still lean on that have of course, sadly now retired, or maybe some have passed, but what made you want to leave that and do what you're doing now for the CPA profession in a more leadership role as a nonprofit leader? Yeah, you know, um, I don't know. It was just one of those things, you know, I was, I was with um, the firm for a few years, and I don't know. I just realized it wasn't for me, and so I ended up um, going to work for a client of the firm for a couple of years. Um, they were a subsidiary of a publicly owned company and um, they wanted to go public. And I had done public company work at the firm um, I worked for. And so I did that for, you know, about 18 months. And I don't know, I just still wasn't, I don't know, I hadn't found my passion. And a friend of mine worked for the AICPA. She was very happy. And so I said, you know, I'll talk to a couple of people there and see what's available. And I ended up 
taking a, a job at AICPA in the professional ethics division where I was exposed to a whole host of types of activities working for the profession that um, frankly, I loved. And um, I've, I've met a number of amazing professionals like yourself that have supported me and have mentored me and have advocated for me and gave me kind of this passion. They had a passion for the profession and that passion kind of brushed off on me. And I think it is one of the keys to success, figuring out what your passion is. Because if you're passionate about something and you love it, you're going to naturally succeed. So we, uh, we do a little bit of a slight take on that with my uh, two daughters. I have two daughters. And the reason I have two daughters and only two daughters, is because I have two daughters, if you understand that, I don't think I could have a son if I wanted one. Right. I mean, this is how this works. <laughs> so uh, my two daughters, I set them down and I said, in junior high, you're going to laugh at seventh, eighth grade. I set them down and I said, if you will be that person that finds something you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. However, the work that you do do will generate you a lifetime of success and happiness and the money will follow. You know, somebody says, I've got to go into a career because it makes a lot of money. You will be most miserable if that's your only criteria, in my opinion. Right. I, I agree. I will tell you, um, I mean, it was a great decision for me because obviously it afforded, afforded me a whole host of opportunity and leadership responsibilities. And now here I am right now. But I couldn't have done it without, um, you know, it does take a village. I have two kids, right? And it was very important for me to be present for them. And I was present for them. And that took, you know, living in an area where my family is, having a great network of friends, having an amazing partner in my husband, um, who truly is a partner um, in this relationship. And then having a, a host of colleagues um, peers, supervisors, and people who worked for me that supported, supported me in what, what I needed to do in order to make it work. Everything from, you know, flexibility with schedules to working at home. I mean, you know, I, we, we didn't have telecommuting in those early days. Remember, I mean, nobody knew what telecommuting was. Nobody knew what hybrid work environments were. Um, nobody worked, knew what part-time was. I mean, I had somebody working for me who was, she was a tax professional and she left to have children before I did. And um, she was not gonna come back. And I asked her why. And she said, well, I don't wanna work full time. I wanna be present for my children. And I said, well, if you could come back two days a week and have flexibility working those two days, would you do it? And she was like, absolutely. And so she and I created a program at AICPA around that. And then just in order to make it work for me, I, I needed to, um, I needed the flexibility to work at home when I didn't need to be in the office. And my supervisors were very supportive, again, of me establishing a program that worked for me that the whole organization ended up benefiting from. So before all this hybrid work and remote working, the AICPA, we were actually doing that. And it was one of the um, benefits that we could offer um, high-powered women and professionals who also wanted to raise a family and be present for, you know, their, their spouses and their, their children. You know, you hit on the head, a certain area that we really thrive on now, particularly in the field that I practice now as a CPA in the financial planning, retirement planning field is the fact that we don't want you to feel that you can't contribute what you wish to contribute and still have a career path. So we actually at our company, 
uh, I have a great team and we design the particular career path for everyone that they can still be a full-time mom, have a full-time career as much as they wish and have that flexibility. Because I think at the end of the day, keep in mind, all we're here to do is provide value for people. Doesn't mean that your seat needs to be sitting in the office. Right. And so you are pretty transformative. So I, I gotta be honest with you. That's just a very touching story because this person probably a great contributor to your team would have said, I'm out of here. But you had well, flexibility. And, yeah. And, and I will say that, Jimmy, um, you know, because uh, others gave me the flexibility and worked with me to make it work, it's really important for me to give back and, and, and allow it to work for the folks who work for me. And by the way, men and women both, because men want that flexibility too. They want to be present for their children. And so it's, it's kind of um, an agnostic <laughs> It's, it's something agnostic that um, if, if we can, you know, give back to, to others, it's, it's, that, that's kind of the legacy that I'd like to leave um, in bringing other leaders up behind me, giving them that flexibility so that they then give the flexibility to others that they're leading. Oh, great. You know, and I'll be honest with you. I always said, I always want to lead from the front. You know, there's oftentimes you see these generals sitting on the hillside, the safety, there's no guns being borrowed down on them. And they're just telling these troops to run down to the battle. And I've always been a believer, hey, we need to lead from the front. We need to show, and then we need to make our words and our actions align. And that's what good leadership is. So you're doing that, obviously, at the AICPA. Uh, let's talk just a little bit, though, about who are some of your mentors. You talk about this young lady that worked on your team, but who are those people that were instrumental in keeping Sue on that focus path of, I can be a transformative leader and I can lead with a, a great deal of enthusiasm. And who are they? So, um, so I want to, so mentors are really super critical for success. You know, those are those experienced and trusted advisors that you need to help guide you that to bounce ideas off and thoughts and to kind of set you straight um, when you're challenged. And over the years, um, I've had I've had several, both men and women. I think having mentors in both men and women is very important. Um, some are have been within and are within my organization. Some Jimmy are within um, our membership, um, be, and, and the result of like close working relationships and commonalities. Uh, and some are outside the profession, which I think is important too, because I think you need all all types of people with um, various backgrounds to make sure that you're a well-rounded leader and you need different people for di different situations. I will add that I also had sponsors and advocates which are a bit different. They're harder to find. They require a great deal more trust. You know, Those are those relationships that you have for a long time that you're in the trenches with. And I do have a few of those too, which candidly, I give most of the credit to, to my being where I am today. And those are the people that have been very honest and open in the coaching that they've given me. Um, they've fought personally for my advancement, have gone out on the limb and really convinced others that I was the right person and could do the job. And um, I'm very appreciative of those people. You know, I've got to be honest with you. It's an easy sell when you have a talented professional like yourself that's got all the talent behind them, just need an opportunity. I love those kinds of systems and situations for people. Uh, so, hey, let's talk just a little bit. Step back a minute. Let's talk about what's a typical day 
in the life of the CEO of one of the largest service organizations by profession in the world. We have over 600,000 plus members scattered from Europe, Malaysia, the U.S., I mean, literally on every continent. What's it like for you? Oh, well, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a long day, but an, exciting, an exhilarating day. Um, I regularly get up between 4 and 4.30 in the morning. I am a morning person, so I know many in your audience are probably saying, oh, my God, <laughs> but I'm a morning person, and you're probably not going to see me after, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. So, um, but I regularly get up between 4 and 4.30. I read um, cover to cover two newspapers, uh, one national, one global. I peek at the trade press because there's always some interesting information in the trade press. There are some websites I, I look at, you know, Politico, um, you know, some Washington DC sites, some certain state sites. Um, I, I do get ready for work every day, no matter where I'm working. It gets my head in the game. I get up, you know, I, I do my whole routine, whether I'm going to be on a stage or I'm going to be sitting at my desk at home. It's just how I got my head in the game. And I'm usually at my desk, you know, by 6, 6.30, which is when I do my final prep for the day. And I, I, I can have um, early morning meetings overseas that early, but I do do my best thinking in the morning because I am a morning person. So that's how my day starts. And then my day is typically a mix of meetings with um, my team, my direct reports, um, with my colleagues, my peers on a whole host of issues that are relevant or important um, to the profession, you know, of the day. Um, I very often present, I probably have, you know, two or three presentations a week to various groups on issues that are important to the profession. You know, and then I, I, I really try and keep connected with um, our membership. I am diligent about scheduling meetings with folks, Jimmy, like yourself, as well as, you know, CEOs of, of other firms around the country. Um, I, I, it's very important that I understand what our members are thinking about, what's important to them, what's coming down the pipe, where, where they see opportunity, where they see risk, so I can serve them and work within our organization to whether it be develop the policies, develop the guidance, advocate on their behalf. So I can be the best person for them, our members. Oh man, that is powerful. I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm an early riser as well. I probably check out about eight 39 and I'm probably done. Cause I get up between five, five 30. I don't even set an alarm and I've been an advocate. If you listen to podcasts like this one, the early word gets the burn. Look at Mike cook of Apple. He gets up at 4 AM every day, rain, shine, doesn't matter. And he is ready to go by 5 a.m. And he has already started, right? Because they have plants all over the world and he needs yeah. to get his leadership team going. And, and I love your approach to getting up and feeding your mind first with, hey, here's what I need to do battle, if you will, for the day. It's some information. And then the profession we're in and the accountancy profession, we are direct influencers and stakeholders to what is in the public trust. That integrity we maintain about financial statements, taxes, and so forth, our input to those in Washington that hold key positions setting policy. You know, I know you're on top of all that. That is certainly wonderful, but I got to ask you a hard question now, Sue. These have been softballs to this point. Here it goes. Are you ready? You got your, you got your seatbelt on on the chair? Because this is a big one. Here at Live a Life by Design, we don't just set goals. Many people can set goals. We set 
BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, because those are the ones that move the needle and make us bigger, better, and bolder. What is Sue Coffee's BHAG for 2022? <laughs> My BHAG for sure. Oh, well, I, I probably have two of them right now. Um, oh, good. <laughs> one is around um, CPA talent and the CPA pipeline. Just like every other profession in the country, um, we are challenged by, um, you know, decreases in college enrollments, by changes in immigration policy, and a whole host of other, a whole host of other things. You know, um, young um, young adults looking at the value proposition of college differently, the cost of college. So there's there's been a change in the funnel of individuals that all professions need to attract. And so um, my big hairy audacious goal is um, getting together the major stakeholders that can positively impact that pipeline into our profession, developing a, a multi-stakeholder profession-wide strategy in order to reverse those trends and you know, get everybody on board and get, get everybody, you know, collaborating and, you know, developing the resources and getting out and, and talking about what a great profession we are and, and kind of turning that all around. It is a big, hairy, audacious goal <laughs> and it involves a lot of people doing a lot of, a lot of things. So it involves a lot of collaboration, bringing together a lot of people to solve the problem absolutely not going um, it alone, you know, creating clear deliverables, being organized in thought, you know, keeping myself and others within our organization, as well as others outside of the organization accountable. So it's pretty big. I, so I just want you to know, so anytime you go speak, and I know you get an opportunity to travel the world and you speak anywhere, you have my express permission to use big, hairy, audacious goals as a phrase, if you'd like. So I, I, I can see how that really impressed you. The eyes just lit up when I said that, like, what's he going to ask? Um, so I told you folks, we bring it to you right here down to the core. There's no fluff. We just bring you the good stuff here at Live a Life by Design. Now I'm going to ask you to step back just for a moment. If you had in your mindset any other career, you couldn't stay in the one you're in because you know life had changed for you. What would that career be if you couldn't be the CEO of the AICPA today or even a CPA? What would that career be? Oh, you know, I'll tell you what, I always love the science. We've been this, doing this too long. I can't imagine either what I, I'd be. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I, I really love, I love the sciences. So in high school, you know, I, I, I told you that I, you know, I, right. I love the classes I took that led me to accounting, but I always love the scientists, sciences. And of course, you know, I, my, my three engineers that I grew up with. Um, but I will tell you the one class that I absolutely loved, loved, loved in college that not if I, I wouldn't do it over, I wouldn't do it differently. Absolutely not. But I always wondered what it would be like to be a meteorologist. Oh and man, you know what a what? job. Yeah. I know where you're from and I always wanted to chase a tornado. Now, is that crazy? Absolutely. <laughs> Let me just say this. If you're an adrenaline junkie, that is the career to have, at least in Oklahoma from about <laughs> December 1 to about July 1. I mean, that, that's the career to have. 
Um, but no, you know, to be honest with you, um, that career is a very exciting one. For one, you can be wrong in your you know, prediction or your, <laughs> and still keep your job, right? Exactly. Uh, hard to say about CPAs. We'd like to draw that double line under it. We got it right. It's tied and footed, whatever. Um, but you know, that's funny that you'd say that. I really thought you were going to go with Broadway actress. I mean, that's just oh me. When God. I see you, oh. I'm thinking Broadway actress. I mean, oh, really. Jimmy, no, no, no. You know, the, my, my biggest fear is getting up on a stage and being in front of people. I do it all the time, as you know, but it's the one thing, it's the one thing I absolutely hate to do. <laughs> oh, she may say that, but I'm going to be honest with you. She is an ultimate penultimate professional in this she is one of the 100 most influential women in the accounting profession today congratulations on that by the way <laughs> so I, I gotta tell you everybody asked me what would you be doing and you know and I said I gotta tell you I love what I do I just can't imagine doing anything where I wouldn't be helping people directly uh wouldn't be collaborating with colleagues like yourself trying to solve big big hairy audacious problems and challenges uh, but what I like about what you're talking about is you took ideation I had an idea and I took creation and you made transformation in the organization, of the ICPA. So, so what's one of your big goals for this organization over the next five, 10, 15 years, besides that pipeline, where do we see us going to impact the world in a better way? Yeah. So um, I would say technology, technology is a big part of that and um, environmental, social and governance. And maybe and bringing those two together, you know, we are turning into a profession of technologists. Technolo technology is enabling so much. And, and, you know, Jimmy, you talked about helping people. And I know that you use technology every day in many ways in order to help your clients um, and your colleagues. And as a profession, um, really making sure that um, our, our members understand the emerging technologies and the capabilities of the emerging uh, those emerging technologies and how it can facilitate the performance of their services for their clients is definitely something that's up there. And then, you know, the, the work around environmental, social, and governance, whether you believe in climate change or not, or, or you believe in, you know, social activities or not, it is something that is becoming increasingly important um, to business to society, to our country, really to the world. And there is a role for professional accountants in that. I mean, you, you can't, you, you need to be able to measure in order to track and create metrics. And, and we, as a profession, we're great at that. You need to be able to, to recognize and measure. Um, and we have the ability to help businesses understand what that means for them and how it can make them better at what they do, whatever they do. And um, we have, I think we have a really important role in helping them do that. And then ultimately, you know, what's, what's measured, what's valued is measured and what's measured is, about, is better when there's assurance on it. And that's a big part of what we do as a profession as well. So those are probably the two, when I think about the two things that I think are gonna have the greatest impact on our profession, it's those. And you know, ESG is, is service agnostic. Um, there are going to be taxation implications. There are going to be financial planning implications. There are going to be financial reporting implications. Um, and so it, it spans the breadth of what we do and what all businesses are going to need. And it's an evolutionary process. It's what I was just talking with a gentleman yesterday. One of our clients is a 
uh, VP of a Fortune 500 company, and we were just talking, and he's got an entire division that they're working on designing ESG solutions to the manufacturing, the shipping, the design. I mean, they're just covering the whole gamut of their processes, right? And he said, we have CPAs in each of these divisions because we've got to quantify, first of all, and then we got to qualify to make sure that it's going to meet our uh, objectives, right, for environmental issues particularly. Uh, and so I agree 100%. No matter which side you're on of whatever that thought is about climate change or not, I, I'm, I don't take political stances on our show, but I will tell you that ESG to me is not political. It is just that's what we have. We have limited resources on the planet. We need to use them wisely and we need to work in a global capacity, which we are. It's funny. I've got clients scattered all over this globe and I'm in Oklahoma, Sue, not near the Jersey shore. Uh, we've got some shores, but they're man-made. I mean, we, <laughs> <laughs> they're not Jersey shores, but they're man-made. Um, so, so let me ask you a couple more questions on this in a personal nature. So your professional side, I certainly understand and appreciate your entire approach to this, but let's talk a little bit about personal just for a moment for our audience, because what they need to see is behind all of that exterior of professionalism and so forth is just a wonderful woman, wife, mother, daughter, aunt, and so forth. So tell me, what's the most fulfilling event in your 39 years of living that you can uh, share with us today? Okay. Um, this is not going to surprise you because you know me. But it's, it really is my family. It's, it's my relationship with my husband and my kids. I would say, Jay and I would say, that our most important success that we're, that we're the most proud of is the fact that we raised two amazing, successful, interesting, funny, intelligent, compassionate young men. Um, and it took a village <laughs> to do that, but they're just amazing. And when I look back, that's really, that's really the most important thing. So Sue's, uh, I call them the two gentlemen, Sue's gentlemen, not her sons. I call them her gentlemen. Uh, we actually got their bios at a very young age. I think your younger son was maybe 11 or 12. when I first asked for the bio about dating my daughters and so forth, but <laughs> the, their paths never crossed. I get that. Uh, they went to schools at different universities, but, uh, folks, I'm always out there looking for these young men or gentlemen, get the door in the car, get the chair at the table. That chivalry's not dead, right? Sue? And chivalry is not dead. And I taught them that. And, and I learned that from people like you, <laughs> that young men need to absolutely need it, to learn how it's to a open Southern doors. thing. It's a Southern thing. I'm sorry. Now, one of your sons, I won't mention the university, but went to a university, got in a Southern state. And, uh, and I understand he prospered well there because he got that car door for the young ladies at the sorority house or whatever. I mean, that, that helped. I, I helped. I contributed. I think I did. I don't know. A absolutely. <laughs> Your son's listening. Is he going, mom, come on. You sold me out. That guy didn't do anything for me. Uh, but anyway, so let me ask you this. If you had the opportunity now to provide a story of someone that you've seen flourish in a life that began similar to yours, who would that person be in your organization? Someone that has a career, similar pathway, trajectory challenges, but kind of started the same as you. Oh, geez. That's a tough one. Um, uh, only because we have um, so many successful women within our organization and men actually um, that, that I've connected with that have had similar backgrounds that have wanted and needed that desire for flexibility and have, have leveraged that in, uh, have leveraged that with um, their experience and their skills in order to really do some amazing work here. Um, 
when I when I look at my leadership team, you know, I they're they're all incredibly talented, but they all they do not all come from the same backgrounds, but they have um, similar thinking in terms of you know collaboration, working together to get the job done, filling gaps in other areas. Um, where gaps, you know, may be present and, and helping each other, not working in silos. And I'm not sure that's what you were necessarily looking for, but I think that we've, our organization has, because of our flexibility, has been able to attract incredibly talented people that are kind of looking for the same thing and willing to work together to get it all done. Well, you not have, sure that's what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely what I'm looking for. And so where I'm going with this, as far as women in leadership, the AICPA has done a wonderful job in terms of putting women in that leadership position, training, testing, mentoring, guiding through that process. You know, you didn't start out as CEO of the AICPA, one of the largest organizations in the world, I said, for professional people of CPAs, but you started out as a VP and worked yourself up. But those people help contribute to that. You said you said mentors and so forth. Uh, your EVP of communications, I just love her to death. She is, I swear to she, she doesn't sleep either. Every time I turn around, she's on something on social media. I'm up at five. There's something on social media. From her. I'm like, I called her the other day. Do you ever sleep? I mean, really? Come on. And Janice uh, is one of my best friends. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she is just a talent now and wonderful lady, by the way. Um, so, so you've told me a little bit about your daily routine. So. Who do you surround yourself with during the day to get all of these balls to stay up in the air? I mean, you got a bunch of good direct reports and all, but uh, not necessarily their names. I'm not asking that. I'm just asking what are their roles to help Sue Coffee get their day done efficiently, maximize use of our time? Because we only have 24 hours, right? Yeah. So so they, they all own um, important verticals within our organization. And then together, they work horizontally to make sure that we've got the coverage we need. Um, in order to, to get whatever work we need done um, out the door and, and to our membership. And so, you know, we're in the accounting profession, right? So I have a head of, you know, accounting and credentials, and I have a head of quality, and I have a head of auditing. And, you know, so they're, it, it, and they all own their areas. They all develop the strategies and mentor you know, their teams and have accountability for deliverables. And, you know, it's, it's, it's how I kind of lead, you know, I lead collaboratively, but I'm very clear about goals, deliverables, and ownership, you know, I'm not, I'm not a micromanager. And um, I do meet with them regularly. And it's, it's, um, and it's, they, they help, they, they're tremendous in, in getting it all done. You know, it takes, I, I call them, uh, if you're the general, I call those the kernels of responsibility. So my direct reports, we meet every week. I have a huddle every week. We find out what's going on, what's come to the top. Sometimes things happen that you didn't plan uh, and we get on top of that rather quickly. But I always tell people that one thing you try to ignore, you think, oh, it's going to take care of itself. I assure you, if it's critical to the function of the organization or to a particular client's need, that will never go away. It'll just get worse yeah. and worse. So tackle that every week, right? So, yeah. so know, why Jimmy, is it? Go ahead. You know, I did want to just say one thing about my routine um, because, you know, I was, I was thinking about it and, and, you know, you and I talked about how long our days are. But I will say that um, physical exercise is really important and has always been important to me. And so I do take time out of my day to make sure I get some type of physical exercise. 
Um, I think it's good for the body, but it's also good for the brain. And when, um, obviously my kids are out of the house now, but when my kids were in the house, I told you it was important that I'm, that I was present for them. And I would always design my schedules so that, and you probably did this with, with your girls as well, that you could go to their school plays or you could go to their ball games, or you could do, you know, Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, you know, PTO or something like that. Um, it's something that, as I said, was important to me. And while I don't do that now, I do expect the people who work for me to do that. And I've created a culture where it's okay to do that. And um, hopefully, I, I mean, I think I see it in the people who work for me and, and then they're sending that message down too. So it's that tone at the top that kind of creates that environment. So I didn't want to let that go because you and I were talking and it made it sound like, you know, like we get up at five o'clock in the morning and we work until eight o'clock at night. It's definitely, it, it's, so that's absolutely. not, that's not the right balance. <laughs> that's right. No. And you know, I don't call it work-life balance. A good friend of mine that served on the national accreditation commission of the CPA with me from, from Canada uh, she gave me the phrase. I kept talking about work-life balance. She said, really, I think Jimmy, what you have is work-life integration. You're pretty happy doing all you do. You just need to integrate it. Well, uh, to be very frank with you, I did this early on and I was in the tax side. So as you know, what it can be like from January one to about May 15, right? I mean, it's just 60, 70 hour weeks and everybody goes, Oh my gosh, how can you do that? Well, I gotta be honest with you, the profession evolved where we don't have that. As a matter of fact, my assistant, as soon as I had the school calendar and my kids dance schedule for their uh, dance recitals competitions, we put them on the calendar first. And I said, put clients around that or meetings around that. And not one of our clients, when I explained to them what we were doing the, the year we went to that evolution, not one of them said, well, if you can't meet with me when I want to that, you know, because you know what the answer would have been, I'm sorry. You need to seek someone else. This family first company. That's what we are. We call it the family first company. And we actually implemented because we have millennials, Gen Z. We've got some old guys like me in here at the company. We went to an unlimited PTO and my friends that own companies, I'm in a group that own entrepreneurs and they're going, you gotta be kidding me, man. You're going to go broke doing this. And I said, I got to tell you, I'm going to do it for a year and I'm going to come back and talk to you guys and tell you how much productivity increased in that year. And they said, Jimmy, it'll never work. I came back after the first year and I have successfully got three of my friends that run large companies doing the same thing. I said, if you set the goals and you know that everybody's on the same you know, canoe paddling the same time, going the same direction, and we're all together, if you set those goals and other you know, rewards in the right manner, people will not take advantage of that. And, and as a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, Sue, I have to make them take time off. They get three to four weeks a year. I have to make them take the time because they get so busy with stuff. But anyway, I, I digress, but my point is you're spot on. So to me, exercise is ideal. And the reason being is I got to get all this stuff out of my head. Well, what better to do that with than a 225 pound weight up above you and you're on the bar getting ready to do back squats or something, man, get that out of your system. Uh, by the way, what is your heaviest back squat? What's your, what's your back squat? <laughs> nice Pilates, Pilates bars and pickleball, but oh. not, not 225 pound weights. Hey, next time up in the city, uh, that's what we call it from Oklahoma. If I'm in New York City next time or in New Jersey, I've got my pickleball paddle with me at all times. So I am awesome. loving this stuff. Um, can I give you a, a real story though? I actually kind of tweaked my calf muscle. I'm pretty aggressive on pickleball. <laughs> I love to play though. <laughs> hey, I'm an athlete. Okay. At least my mind says I still am. So I, I may not look at it. So, so let me ask just a couple more questions and I do want to be responsible with your time today, but what's the next phase of your career look like as a CEO? What, where do we go from here? 
Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just about a year in to being CEO and um, I'm still trying to get my arms around it. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of work to do in this role. I think candidly before I start thinking about the next one, I'm, I, that's kind of the way I operate. Let me kind of get my arms around and figure it out. And then um, when I feel like I'm where I need to be, then I'll start thinking about the next one. Well, the reason I always ask that question is I do want to mention one thing. I know that Sue does very well, folks. She's being very modest in some of this discussion today. She has a great ability to cast vision for her team to get around without vision. Organizations are just going to do what the, the Bible says. It's going to perish. They lose their way. They get distracted by meaningless things that have lack of profitability. So I know you got a great vision for what you and your team are doing. I'm not going to ask for the details of that, but I do know and vision is important. I actually share my five and 10 year vision of our company every year at an annual meeting with our team to get their buy-in, to get their feedback, to see how they feel about it, see what they're doing to contribute to that. Would you say that'd be important for your organization as well? Absolutely. Um, in fact, when I think about um, leadership, you know, people like working with positive and innovative leaders that do have a vision that are also nimble enough to change that vision as the facts change, sure. of course. Um, and then kind of watching, um, you realize that vision, you know, it's fun to succeed and then su success breeds more success. Um, you know, and bringing people into the, that positivity circle and, you know, creating that collaborative environment where everybody's kind of seeing themselves in that vision. I mean, that's what you need to do. And then they'll own it. They're a part of it and then they own it. So I'm with you. That's to me, the key to great leadership. I got to be honest with you. I'm kind of chief morale officer to the CEO of our company and founder. I, uh, if I can keep the morale where it always seems to be, uh, my wife, and I'm sure Jay's probably heard this, uh, too, from you is a little Jimmy goes a long ways. So I'm pretty, <laughs> I just don't have bad days. I really don't. I have some days better than others. I just don't believe I have bad days. Right. Uh, so, so I've got one hard question to ask. This is the hardest of all questions. And then I'll, uh, I'll let you uh, enjoy the rest of your after, afternoon and day here. But if you could leave our listeners with one statement of advice about influence, leadership, or even leave, leaving a legacy, what would that be? Well, uh, I guess a big part of leadership is all of them. Influence, um, influence and legacy, right? Um, influencing and convincing um, that what you're leading is the right thing and the right way to go and setting that vision um, and, and living that every day, uh, I think is, I guess that would be what I would, what I would leave the group with that, you know, be collaborative, um, bring others into the fold, help them understand where they fit into the vision and own the vision. I think that's, that's what I'd leave them with. Yeah, that is great advice. One of the things we aspire to here at Live Life by Design is to always remember you're not an island. <laughs> you're not the lone wolf out there. You know, there's some people who go, I'm just a rugged individualist. And you know, and I go, man, I'm sorry for you because you can't accomplish all we need to accomplish in our company by being one guy, one gal. It does not work that way, especially for your organization uh, at that. So Sue Coffee, you have been a tremendous guest today. And I want to thank you personally. Our listeners are going to love to continue listening to this several times to get those feedback points. But I do want to say before we leave one thing, you have been a dear friend. I appreciate you so much in our career. We've spent time at the lunch table. We spent time at teaching and speaking and all over the place. 
you've been outstanding as a, as a colleague and a friend. And I appreciate you so much. So and, any and last like, words? And likewise, Jimmy, and thank you. Likewise. And thank you so much for inviting me. And you're right. It, this was fun. Well, thank you for being here. What an outstanding interview and opportunity to speak with Sue Coffey. This lady is transforming the accountancy world in an organization that spans the entire globe. It's people like her that keep the world spinning in a very positive manner and give opportunities to those to contribute their talents to the same cause. It's not just the fact that she's a great leader. It's the fact that she's just simply a great person. Thank you for joining us here today on Live a Life by Design. And your challenge this week is to look around you and see what you can do to be a positive influence to those around you. Each of us has a talent, we have a skill, we've got an emotion that we control that others need to hear, see, and feel so that you may empower them to be bigger, better, and bolder. We'll see you next week here on Live Life by Design. You can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your friends and family about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company, all rights reserved. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. Our intern is Brindley. Brindley.